Hey, 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 guys. Thanks for tuning into another episode of the Live Rich Movement podcast with Erica Lasan. In this week's episode, I'm getting gushy about motherhood and 10 lessons in joy and womanhood that being a mother has taught me. Grab a notepad and listen up because these are lessons for every woman. Whether you're a seasoned mother of many, a mother-to-be, a woman in waiting for her blessing, a lady in love, or just a single lady loving life, these are 10 lessons that you don't want to miss. Hey guys, welcome back to another week. I'm so excited that you guys are here. I'm so excited that we are here two weeks in a row consistently. Um, And I'm really excited for this week's episode because I just had to put this episode out before the end of May. Originally, it was intended to come out on Mother's Day, but there was a lot happening that weekend. I'm hoping that as you listen to these lessons that I've gained in motherhood and womanhood, um, that they will benefit you and add value to your life and your joy as a woman. Share this episode with a mom who may need a reminder um, or a woman who generally needs a reminder to love up on herself. I really want to know that I'm not alone in this. So without further ado, I'm just going to hop into these 10 lessons that motherhood has taught me in just enjoying the journey of life as a woman. You guys ready? Let's dive in. <laughs> Number one, the first thing that motherhood has taught me is embracing my womanhood and sensuality, basically learning to love my body in every stage and in every season. Now, ladies, One of the biggest things that I kind of dreaded as I was becoming a mom and transitioning um, into this new journey was pregnancy. And not so much because of like the ability to carry life itself, but just (laughs) dreading the idea of having a quote unquote mom body after I was through with my pregnancies. For some reason or another, I had grown up with this idea that I was destined to be someone who like lived in a more fuller body. I don't that was just something that I thought was bound to happen. I thought that as you get older, you just generally put on weight. And for some reason, I always equated the idea of being a mother with being someone who um just didn't live or feel like their best in their body. Can you guys relate to that at all? One of my biggest fears after becoming a mom was that I wouldn't be able to lose the weight. Now, as some of you listening to this may be able to relate to what I'm saying, and others of you may think that I'm I'm body shaming, and that is definitely not the case. My biggest fear was that I wouldn't feel good in my body. Because for me, it isn't so much about the weight itself, but it's about how I feel in my body. And I've noticed that after, um, if I'm over a certain weight, I generally just feel more tired and sluggish. Um, I don't feel as energetic. So that was a really big fear of mine. But as I have transitioned through now two pregnancies, I have learned to embrace the beauty of the transformations that take place with our body as we go 
through womanhood and especially as we come into the role of being mothers. With this, I've been able to learn how to grant myself grace and remembering that it's not about how my body looks, but more importantly about how I feel in my body. One thing that I learned that really helped me was to give gratitude for all of the amazing things that my body can do. So as this was something that I really um, had to <laughs> anchor myself in as we were coming out of the uh, birth of our second child, Jace, because for some reason or another, the weight was just not coming off for a good like 10 to 12 months. Actually, and I can't say one reason or another. I eventually learned what the reason was, and it was that I'm a grazer when I eat, <laughs> or at that time at least, I was grazing and I was eating all of the kids' snacks. So I wouldn't eat whole meals throughout the day, but I would have little snacks, and um, the little snacks were all the kids' snacks. Long story short, that period was one where I found it very difficult to um, like feel good in my body. But the thing that helped me get out of that state of mind and really um, then putting my mental on track for healthy living, and that really is what made all the difference, was learning to give gratitude for the fact that I had a healthy body and that I have a healthy body and um, for all of the amazing things that my body can do. And the moment I was able to do that, I was able to tap into um, finding more ways to embrace joy with my body and then using that joy to put me on track for um, more healthy habits. The weight just kind of melted off. I, I kid you not, within four months, I was able to lose 20 pounds and I was in a body that I loved and that I felt good in and I felt energized and I could chase the kids around and um, just, you know, feeling as good as I would have liked to look on the outside. And that made all the difference. Another thing that um, I learned about myself through this motherhood journey and transitioning in my body is just embracing my sensuality and really enjoying it as a vessel for God's work and spirit to flow through in touching and healing and caring for others while I'm here on this planet. Um, and this has been a really big transition for me for a number of reasons. Um, in a podcast episode that was done earlier this year, I think it was episode 16, I spoke with a... Um, a sex expert, Bridget Bray. We spoke about the topic of sexuality and faith. And as a woman who grew up in the church and a woman who is now someone who identifies um, and who, as a Christian and someone whose identity is really um, also anchored in my faith walk, I can honestly say now that that did contribute to um, just how I looked and felt and embraced sexuality growing up. Um, and it's, I think that a part of this also played in the fact that I am a Nigerian American. Um, <laughs> I want to go on more and more about this topic and this conversation, but there's a whole podcast episode out about it if you guys are interested in listening. But through this process of birthing a child and bringing life into this world, I really had like a grown woman moment. There's that song that Beyonce did called Grown Woman. You guys know that song? It's like, I'm a grown woman. I can do whatever I want. 
I'm a grown woman. I could do whatever I want. I could do da 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 all right I'm totally getting off topic but basically that's the energy that I (laughs) I was carrying after I had children I really felt like you know what I am like superwoman in so many ways and this body that I've been given is such a gift we are such miraculous vessels and the moment I started to really get in line with this feeling and understanding that there's no need to feel shame about One, what our bodies can do. Two, what our bodies look like and how attractive and enticing they are. But more importantly, three, um, how sensual we can be as women and the power that comes with that, not only for for pleasing our partners, but also for the ability to please ourselves. Um, I think that And again, I elaborated on this more in the podcast episode um, with Bridget Bray, but I really do believe that the moment we're able to understand our um, desires and our ability to embrace sensuality, um, we're able to tap into joy on a whole other level, okay? And also sensuality, sexuality, um, and loving our bodies is not something that should be shameful. God knew exactly what he was doing when he created the human form. God knew exactly what he was doing when he made procreation a pleasurable act. <laughs> God knew exactly what he was doing when he made the command, go forth be fruitful and multiply, okay? Um, He knew what he was doing when he put both genders here, both sexes here on this planet um, and was basically like, go at it, you know? Like, enjoy life until, of course, Eve ate the fruit. That's a story for a different day. The second thing that I gained through my motherhood journey is patience. Now, this goes without saying, y'all, because Lord knows children will play your nerves (laughs) but at the end of the day you have to remember that they are children and you too were once a child sometimes when I look at Aria and Jace I try to reflect on my own childhood and how I was as a child with my mother being one of four children that she was raising at the same time all of us within less than seven years being seven years apart um, some of us, well, my brother and sister being Irish twins, so being almost exactly a year, a year and five days apart, and my sister and I being less than three years apart, you know, she had to deal with a lot. And I can only imagine um, the lack of patience she may have had uh, with us growing up. And now as a parent, I, I really do believe that it was probably because she was tired she wasn't getting enough sleep. But as I reflect on my childhood journey and just looking at our children, um, I find it easy to embrace this journey with joy and with patience because I understand they won't be children forever. So in moments like this, when it's really one of those things, and y'all, I kid you not, recently this has been the new thing, calling me 15 million times within a 10-minute time span. Didn't really used to happen before, but now it's all the time. Mommy, 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 
mommy, mommy, mommy, my, okay, like, the way that it sounds right now is like 30 times worse when it's happening on a regular basis. This new practice is something that um, I have to woosah my way through, and I try to answer with as much love in my voice as possible, and I imagine that someday in the future, and I'm, I don't want to call it the not so near future. Um, I'll be longing for the days when they would call me mommy, 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 or they'd want to involve me in all of their plans um, or tell me every aspect of their life and their, their activities for the day or their super long dreams or the stories that go on in their mind because, you know, children are very, well, let me speak about Arya. Arya is a very vivid storyteller and her stories are very, very ornate and elaborate. <laughs> so every time I find myself getting short on patience, I really just anchor myself down in um, the joy of embracing the moment and the time that I have with them because they won't be little forever. And also just remembering that the ability to be a parent is a gift. Yes, it comes with its struggles sometimes. Yes, it comes with its um, challenges or its um, considerations and all of the other things. But ultimately, it is one of the greatest gifts that you can give to the world to have a, a citizen who is able to contribute to society in a purposeful and a meaningful way. And also that just you know, exists with love and joy in their hearts. So um, patience is something that I've learned greatly. The third thing I've learned through this journey is the importance of active listening and truly evaluating issues below the surface. Y'all. <laughs> Emotions are only a surface level reaction to things that are taking place internally. Oh my goodness, if there is something that I have learned in parenthood, it is this. Because there will be moments when your children will cry. There have been moments where the kids would have tantrums and be yelling and screaming. And then you ask them what's wrong and they don't know what's wrong. <laughs> they can't articulate themselves what's wrong, let alone to someone else. Um, but I've really learned through parenthood to listen to the things that they're saying and really put them alongside their actions and evaluating um, what the real problems are. And I began to gain this understanding with my children. And I began to see how this existed even with adults. Um, one thing I remember hearing before I became a mom was that there were different cries that meant different things for babies. And as someone who was about to be a first-time mom at that point and who was pregnant, I was like, oh my goodness, Like, I'm not going to know what the baby wants or what the baby needs because they can't talk. And for some reason, I don't know how many of you can relate to this, that was one of my biggest fears, that I just wouldn't know what the baby would need or want because I need, I need the baby to tell me what he or she wants. Like, I need them to communicate with me. But they gotta learn how to talk, and that's gonna be a very long time away. I can't even remember if it was a medical professional or not, but whoever it was told me different cries mean different things. And I remember thinking, that is such a lie. That's such a load of bull. Like, how that doesn't even make any sense. But, y'all, yeah, it's true. <laughs> 
It is so true. And it's crazy because as a parent, you begin to learn what your baby's cries mean. And they are different. There's a cry for when something hurts. There's a cry for I'm tired. There's a cry for when the baby is hungry. There's a different cry when the baby is frustrated and trying to do something and it's not working out. But the different cries do mean different things. And the same thing can be said for adults and how we handle a number of situations. I mean, when you think about yelling, because yelling is something that I think adults do or raising their voices, <laughs> however you want to call it. Yelling is something that I think we do as adults um, more than we would like to acknowledge or admit. But yelling can mean a number of things too, a wide range of things in the same way that a baby's cry can. Yelling can mean that you are enraged and upset. It could mean that you're disappointed about something. Yelling at someone can mean that you're hurt. It can mean so many different things, but the action of yelling doesn't exactly state what the emotion is. It's just like making noise to express that you're feeling something, but it's not until you begin to um, go deeper beyond the surface level of what the reaction is that you're able to then communicate your feelings to the people around you. And so the only way to be able to do that is to listen attentively and not just listen for the sake of listening, but really um, involve active listening skills. And that's something that I've gained through this parenthood journey Oftentimes we will get uh, compliments from strangers even talking about how well Aria and Jace articulate their feelings. You know, I'm sad because of this or you hurt my feelings because of this or this thing made me really excited. At the end of the day, um, the best way for us to really help another person is for them to communicate their needs. Um, and that's how we can best serve each other. So Active listening as a parent has definitely been something that's not only helped me in being a mother, but also in just being a better person. I'd like to say, I hope <laughs> it's made me a better partner. Um, I would definitely say that it's made me a better business person. Um, and it has most definitely helped me in my role as a joy strategist and listening to the needs of my clients and being able to understand how I can help them navigate their way through their emotions as well as um, any issues that they may be having in their lives that may not be putting them on the path of joy. You can holla at me in the comments at the end of this episode when it's posted on social or send me a message and let me know if I'm alone in this or not. But if you were someone who grew up as a first generation, the fifth thing that I've learned through this journey of motherhood is the importance of minding my words and the power of words to create and destroy both ourselves as individuals, as well as others around us and anyone that we come into contact with. Words have lasting effects, um, but more importantly, words are also a transfer of energy. And I say this all the time, there is power in the tongue. That's biblical. When you think about the power that words have, not only over our lives, but our ability to manifest and create the desires of our hearts, you then really want to take very very precious care of how you use your words to influence and build up your children. 
because the energy that you pass on through your children will continue to get passed on even beyond the moment. Children hold on to everything. Like there will be moments where, I mean, I don't know how many of you listening can relate to this, where someone may have said something to you as a child that you can recall right now as an adult, a full-blown adult. Words that may have hurt you, words that may have developed um, parts of your identity as you grew up into an adult, words that may have... um, blessed you or words that may have sown seeds into your life as far as um, making you believe who you you could become or what you could become in life. You know, words just have a very powerful way of really being seeds and they can grow in a way that they will flourish. They will help the person flourish and help other people flourish, or they can grow in a way that will kill Um, anything before it even begins to grow. And as a mom, this is something that I really um, began to notice early on. And part of what influenced my mindset around this was just thinking about, um, again, my childhood growing up and certain things that were said to me. And um, my parents, I love my parents and my parents are very loving parents. But In the Nigerian culture, (laughs) I believe that sometimes words are just like thrown away around like they don't really or maybe I shouldn't speak specifically for the Nigerian culture, but I just know that. No, actually, I can speak specifically for the Nigerian culture because this is not limited to me <laughs> and our house. If you listen to the podcast, Jesus and Jalof, that's hosted by Lovey Ajayi Jones and Yvonne Orji. One of the very first episodes that they spoke about was how embarrassing words are a love language, or they spoke about the love languages of Nigerians or something like that. I can't remember specifically what the title of the episode was. Throughout the episode, they basically went on to talk about how if a Nigerian parent called you like a stupid goat or if they said you're an idiot or if they like said things that like you know anyone else who's not Nigerian hearing it would probably be like oh my gosh you're so mean why would you talk to your kids that way you know they would they would be offended but I feel and I don't know American these are just things that I think our parents did because that's what they knew growing up and um it's not because they didn't love us or it's not because they didn't, they really believed we were like stupid or idiots or anything like that. But I just remember as a child, um, and I can't even say as a young, young child, because this was coming even up through middle school. I think I remember writing in my journal things like, I'm not stupid. I am so smart. If I was so, if I was so this, why did I then get these grades? Or why did this place want to give me a scholarship? Or why did the, you know, I just remember taking time to, um, build myself up after hearing those words. And I just remember feeling as though, I didn't like being called those things again. And not because my parents didn't love me. My parents very much think that I'm capable and they're proud of everything that I've done. But, um, 
it's just something that I think culturally they do because they want you to show up as the best version of yourself. And it's really weird, but like when they speak to you in that way, it really is that it's a, it's a part of their love language and just wanting you to be the best version of yourself. I, I don't know if I'm doing a very good job of articulating this, but if you go to Lovey and Yvonne's podcast, Jesus and Jalof, and listen to one of the first five episodes, I'm, I'm sure it was in season one. They do a wonderful job of explaining this <laughs> way better than I have up to this point. But I just remember through that experience thinking when I have children, I am not going to use these words. Like they, they don't really serve um, kids well to hear. And also they don't, there's, it it doesn't really help them in any way. So that's something that I've been very mindful of as a parent and just only trying to speak words of love and affirmation to our children so that they can know that they are capable of whatever it is that they want to do, that they are limitless beings and that they've been given everything that they need and in order to create, be, do, and have anything that they want. So that they don't grow up feeling as though there are limitations to the things that they um, can manifest in their lives. Because really and truly, as children of God, he has given us everything that we need in order to have the lives that we want. He's given us an amazing mental capacity. I mean, we only use a small percentage of our brain and as a human race. And look at all that we've been able to create. He's given us like bodies that are able to do so much. I mean, we're really the most beautifully engineered machines <laughs> in that we can take the little that we've been given and been and, and we can manipulate resources to create whatever it is that we want. So with this in mind, even when I hear Jace, our three-year-old, saying things like, I can't do this. And he's saying it because he's three years old. So like, in his mind, if something is hard and he can't do it within the first three to five minutes, it's like, I can't do it. But we make a practice of of making sure that we tell him, Jay, stop saying you can't do it. You can do anything you put your mind to. And I don't know if it was just me saying these things because as an adult, I believe these things for myself, <laughs> but it became something where I was saying it so much that it got to a point where I didn't even have to say those things. But every time Aria herself would hear Jay saying, I can't do something, she would, she would go up to him and she would put her hand under his chin and she'll say to him, JC, don't say you can't do something. You can do anything you put your mind to. Let me tell y'all, my heart, <laughs> my heart. So yes, motherhood has really taught me the importance of minding my words and the power that words have in just creating mindsets about ourselves and identity um, and how we see ourselves and what we see as possible for ourselves, both as children and adults. Ooh, y'all, now we're getting to the juicy bits. <laughs> the sixth thing that I've learned from motherhood in this journey is the need for self-care beyond special moments and calendar events. Y'all, I have learned through parenthood that true self-care is an active practice that requires constant self-evaluation and consideration. Real talk, 
Before becoming a mother, I thought that self-care was simply the ability to do luxurious things like going to a spa for a weekend or going on a luxe vacation or getting massages or getting my hair done or my nails done, which are, you know, very much self-care things. But I always thought that self-care was having to spend money and do these things that I wouldn't otherwise do, almost like a treat yourself moment. But what I've learned through parenthood and becoming a mother is that self-care is more than getting your hair and your nails done. For any of you who (laughs) need to hear this, I need y'all to know. Self-care is more than getting your hair and nails done. Sleep, getting ample amounts of sleep also counts as self-care. Drinking enough water and staying hydrated throughout the day, also self-care. The ability to stretch your bodies so you're not walking around all achy all day. Also an act of self-care. Being able to put some lotion on that smells good and take your time as you rub it into your body and you feel the moisturization soaking up into your skin. An act of self-care. Yeah, none of those things cost money, but they all count as (laughs) self-care. So one thing that I very much learned from parenthood is that the ability to actually care for yourself with intention and dedicating that time to yourself on a regular and consistent basis is the truest form of self-care and that it doesn't happen only on special moments or calendar events like, say, Mother's Day or your birthday. You should be tuning in and checking in with yourself about your need for self-care and actually creating a habit and a practice of self-care more than two to three times a year, which I don't know how many of you guys can relate to this, but for some reason or another, prior to parenthood, that's basically what I equated self-care with, something that I did a couple times a year in order to treat myself or make myself feel special when I deserved it or when I needed it. But the truth of the matter is you need self-care all the time. You need to be getting enough sleep because if you're not, you're agitated and cranky. You also aren't able to to operate with the clearest mind. You're also not able to do your best work, whatever that work may be, if you're not getting enough sleep. But also, sleep is necessary. (laughs) Rest is necessary. When God created the human body, he created the human body with a need for rest. So if you're not getting ample sleep each night, you're cutting in on your ability to heal So I'm not sure how many of you guys need to hear this, but treat yourself to some self-care. If you are someone who is unsure of where to get started or how to tap into this, I actually have a resource on my site, ericalassan.com, called um, Self-Care and Wellness on a Budget. And it basically shares 57 ways for you to tap into more self-care and wellness on a regular basis, creating a habit of self-care and wellness, and how to do it and feel good and look good and tap into your wellness without breaking the bank. Because feeling good shouldn't have to make you broke. That's it. Okay? (laughs) You're welcome.
The seventh thing that I've learned through this motherhood journey is the value in taking time to be alone with my spirit and my thoughts. Y'all, 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 y'all. If I did not value being alone before becoming a parent, there is nothing I like more now. (laughs) I mean, I love my kids. I love my family. But I have also very much learned to appreciate being by myself. It's a luxury. And the moment you're able to do it, How many of you guys can relate? I recently took a me treat and it was actually the week of Mother's Day. It was glorious. Oh my goodness. And when I say me treat, it's basically a retreat, but it was a personal retreat. It was one that I took for me by myself. What I realized um, prior to even going on the me treat as a full-time stay-at-home mom, as a working from home mom, an entrepreneur, as a wife... I had I had not been by myself for five years. There would be times when we would go away um, and travel, but it would be like me and Nick, the hubby, um, or it'd be me and the kids traveling down to Maryland, and that was cool. Um, but we'd also be around family, and I'd also be with the kids. So I hadn't had any solo time for myself. And leading up to the days before Mother's Day, I just felt myself getting very, um, I don't want to say agitated, but I found myself being a little more, like I found myself being a little irritable towards the kids and a little short-tempered. And I didn't like the way that that felt as someone who works with moms and as someone who um, speaks with women about finding their joy and evaluating their feelings, I realized that my feelings were telling me that I just needed to be by myself. So because the hubby is so awesome and my family is absolutely amazing, they took the kids for three days and then I ended up extending the trip one day. And for four days, I just got to be by myself with the Lord... (laughs) and nature and the woods and new strangers and it was awesome oh my gosh there were so many wonderful revelations that came from those four days but it also just made me very clear on the fact that I need to get up and be by myself early on in the day if I just start off the day with a couple hours of silence and I'm able to get um, certain things done as far as my morning routine earlier in the day and quiet, it really sets me up for the rest of the day. But motherhood just really allowed me to understand that it's okay to be alone and to want to be alone. That's not a bad thing. And we can all gain a lot from just sitting still, being by ourselves and gaining clarity by just spending time with our thoughts and our spirit. Our June LRM challenge is sustained by joy. In today's society, many people see joy as a destination rather than a guide to the destination of their desires. The moment you begin to understand the importance of your feelings, namely joy, and how they play into aligning you with a path of peace and purpose, you won't want to live any other way. But we understand that some of you may need a little help arriving there. So this 21-day accountability challenge has been created to help you develop a glorious life sustained by joy. In addition to this, we will also be highlighting environmental sustainability and steps that we can all take 
and ensuring that this beautiful world we live in is still available and thriving for future generations. While analyzing your current processes and helping you map out sustainable strategies tailored to your vision, goals, and purpose, enjoy. Ready to take the challenge? Head over to liverichmovement.com slash join dash challenges or click the link in our description box to sign up and reserve your spot today. Grab a friend and get ready to transform and enjoy one feel-good thing at a time. The Sustained by Joy Challenge kicks off Tuesday, June 1st. We're coming up on number eight now, and I think that the last point kind of ties really nicely into this upcoming one, but this motherhood journey has also taught me the importance of minding how I manage my time and prioritizing things, people, and events that add value to my life, my vision, my dreams, and my goals. Listen, not everyone is getting invited along on my journey, and that is okay. (laughs) This is something that I had to really um, gain peace around after I would want to say year one. Um, And it really took a very specific event happening in my life. And it wasn't like anything crazy. It wasn't like, um, but it felt crazy at the time. It was a friendship that really like, I felt very hurt by the experience. And I kind of spoke about it in one of the earlier podcast episodes where I was um, speaking with Dana Bolden and we were talking about friendships. But um, I had an experience with someone who was a friend and it really made me evaluate the people that I let into my experience. Just really making sure that you are constantly evaluating who you consider to be a part of your tribe, why they are a part of your tribe, what value they add to your life, and really how they how they uplift and elevate your life's vision and the mission that you have personally. And as I say this, I'm not saying it to think about relationships in terms of transactions and being transactional in your relationships, because that's not at all what it's about. But it's really about understanding that your life, your time, and your energy holds value. So you have to be very particular and very mindful of who you choose to share your time, energy, and space with. Not everyone gets to go. Not everyone gets invited on your journey. There are people who will seek to diminish you. There are people who will seek to destroy you. There are people who will seek to make you look bad, like a number of things. And I'm not, I don't want to speak life into those those areas, but those people do exist. So as someone who is very much faith-led and understanding that there's the physical world that we see, but then there's also the spiritual world that we do not see, but the spiritual world is very much present. And there can be people in your life who you think are one thing and they show up and they turn out to be something else. I pray that those people are not a part of your circle and that you continue to be mindful and prayerful about who you allow into your circle, but just knowing that you really have to constantly evaluate who you have around you and the energy that is feeding your vision, your goals, your life, and your mission. 
I say this all the time and I will continue to say it, but time is such a precious resource. Time is so valuable and it's one of the most precious resources that we have because we don't know how much of it we have left and we can also never get it back once it's spent. As a parent, you only have but a limited amount of time to yourself each day between caring for yourself, caring for the children, and caring for your partner or your, you know, caring for each other. You really don't have that much time to waste. So you really have to be mindful about the people that you spend your time and energy on. I don't know who needs to hear this, but I hope that it helps you out if you are having certain um, issues with uh, managing your time and being everything to everybody, but also prioritizing how you use your time, which I think was the biggest lesson for me, being that I was someone who really wanted to be a go with the flow type of person. And for the most part, I think I still am someone who very much goes with the flow, but even in terms of creating my content or the way that I would engage with my work or... um, just how it would go throughout the day. Like I didn't have a routine. I didn't have routines. I didn't have plans. I didn't really want to have structure um, because I didn't want to put myself in a box or feel as though someone was putting me in a box. And I think that's part of the, um, I also think that that's part of my consideration with working in corporate America and why I enjoy entrepreneurship so much, but really just wanting to be someone who was able to move um, with fluidity and um, without having to be constricted in any type of way was something that um, was how I operated my life before becoming a mother. But let me tell you, honey motherhood will get you together real quick with the need for routines okay (laughs) children thrive so well when they have a routine when they know what time they're supposed to be doing something when they know when they're supposed to be doing something when they know what where they're supposed to be doing something and if they know how to be doing something all of these things serve very well when it comes to raising children and I quickly learned within I would want to say the first week of becoming a mother that um, oh, it would be really nice if I had a system in place in terms of even what time the baby goes to sleep or the baby wakes up, what time I should feed the baby. And you learn as you continue to parent um, how these things are um, beneficial as they grow up and as they begin to create routine schedules for themselves and really in getting them um, to understand the value of optimizing their time. And I mean, this isn't something that children need to learn super, super early, but it is a very helpful thing. Um, But also more importantly, as an adult, as the parent of the house, you learn quickly that the moment you're able to establish a routine is the moment that you're able to figure out how you can um, navigate your schedule for yourself, where you can fit work in, um, especially if you're a stay-at-home parent, where you can fit play in, where you can fit breaks in, (laughs) where you can find time to eat. Like, and basically anytime you need to schedule in for yourself, you'll be able to figure out the moment you start to implement a routine. But also you'll be able to um, have time for yourself at the end of the day. The most beautiful thing about having 
a routine is that you know when your day begins as a parent and when it ends. If you have a hard set bedtime, after that bedtime is the time that you're then free to do whatever it is that you want for yourself. It may be an hour, it may be 30 minutes, it may be two hours, depending on what time you go to bed. But just know that once the kids go to bed, then you actually have time for yourself. So if you are someone who does not have a routine set up, um, and if you're a parent who is not yet prioritizing your time with a routine, a system, a schedule, whatever it is that you want to call it, I would highly, highly, highly recommend that you do so because it is life-changing. And it really took me becoming a parent to know that. <laughs> Crazy, right? We are almost done and through this thing. And number nine taught me the power of saying no without guilt when necessary, and the power of setting boundaries. Being someone who's okay with saying no does not make you a biatch, okay? It helps you manage expectations and set standards for how people should handle you and how people should value you based on how you value yourself, okay? Listen, at one point, I wanted to be everything to every body. I wanted to be like the good friend. I wanted to be the good daughter. I wanted to be the good wife. I wanted to be the good mom. And I would take on all of these things and 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 be try to be all the places at all the times in all the ways until at one point I realized that it was it was sucking it was sucking up all my joy. The moment I became a parent and I realized that my children's lives mattered the most, I got really clear about how I did not want to feel and how when I felt those things, how it would play on my children. And I was also very much aware of the fact that I spend most, if not all of my time with my children. The moment I started to feel some type of way, the the people who would feel it most and the people who would feel it first would end up being my children. And the moment I began to understand this and that it wasn't like um, and a, a momentary thing, I really began to evaluate the things that I said yes to and really began to um, adjust how much I said no. The moment I began to understand the correlation between my saying yes to everything and how I felt and how that played on my feelings and how I engaged with uh, my children and my husband and just other people in my life was the moment that I became very much okay with saying no. <laughs> if I can't do something, I can't do something. If it makes me feel some type of way, that's already an indication that I should probably not be doing it. And in that case, I would feel very much okay with saying, you know, I'd love to help, but at the moment I can't do this. Something else that I really gained clarity about after I became comfortable with saying no was that always saying yes teaches your children to become people pleasers versus listening to their own personal needs and wants. And I mean, I know that that probably sounds kind of harsh to say, but it is really true. <laughs> when, I, I mean, I don't know, you guys tell me what your experience was like, but I find that sometimes as I evaluate my childhood growing up, 
There were a lot of times when people would say yes to doing things because of culture or tradition or expectations, and they'd do the things, but the energy that was given in doing the things wasn't one of joy. You know, like when I would hear certain things growing up about why certain choices or decisions were made, it was always, well, yeah, actually I can't say it wasn't. A lot of the time, the reasoning would be because in our culture or in our tradition, you know, that's just the way we do things. The moment you give into doing something simply because you're expected to is the moment that you're also giving away a part of your ability to prioritize your peace. By learning to evaluate my feelings and being okay with saying no, what I'm really hoping is that my children also take the time to evaluate their feelings around whatever it is and understand that it's okay to set boundaries and communicate what those boundaries are, but more importantly, why those boundaries um, need to exist and understanding their own personal needs or wants. No one should ever do anything simply because of cultural or traditional expectations. Always feeling like you have to move with a smile, that's not healthy. As humans, we should be able to express ourselves and we should also be able to communicate our needs, our wants, our desires, but more importantly, how we're feeling in any given moment. Because the moment we're able to do that and saying no or expressing whatever it is that needs to be expressed, that's really the moment that we're able to gain freedom. Like the person themselves who's feeling the thing, but then also the people around them who may have been, um, who may have seen or uh, been a part of that experience as well, who may have at one point may have even felt the same thing themselves, but they were too ashamed um, to state their feelings. The moment you're able to express yourself freely is the moment that you're able to gain freedom and also free the other people who may have been feeling the same way. And it all starts with saying no, period. That's all I got to say on that. On to number 10, our final thing. Well, my final lesson in mommyhood. We made it to number 10. I'm gonna going. <laughs> the 10th and final lesson that I have learned from mommyhood and being a mother is the power of purpose and the need to discover it and live in it intentionally each and every single day. Living inspired matters. It creates energy that becomes an intangible currency that is transferable. It can heal simply with your being. And I mean, if there is any example, like a prime example of living in your purpose, it's Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I have learned through motherhood that my ability to not only rediscover, reconnect, and recommit to my identity and my purpose in joy has helped me show up as the best version of myself each and every single day for any and every person that I come into contact with. Your ability to discover purpose impacts your relationships with your kids, your family members, your life partner, your soulmate, and so much more, but it also elevates your joy. 
I didn't really fully understand the gravity of purpose before becoming a parent. For so long as a multi-passionate creative, I had been going along with just doing things because they felt good to me, not completely understanding the reasoning or the purpose behind it. For me, it was simply about the act of creating something. As I was a jewelry designer, simply um, the creative process was what was most exciting for me. Having a bunch of materials and then coming up with a finalized piece and having it be wearable wearable art. When I was an on-air host, the process of coming up with an idea or conceptualizing a video project and then going out and executing it was the thing for me. And the ability to meet new people in the process was um, very rewarding. But it wasn't until I became a mom that I understood that it wasn't just about creating those things. I needed to have a purpose and reason for doing those things. And thank God, through the process of my journey to purpose and um, some of the things that I now teach because I have clarity and understanding around them, I was able to understand that my purpose is to transform the world through radical joy. Mic drop, boom, period, that's it. (laughs) That's the whole thing, (laughs) that's the whole purpose. The purpose is to help transform the world through joy. Um, But the benefit is that as a multi-passionate creative, I'm able to do this in a number of ways. But through the process that I've been able to take through life and this journey, I've been able to come up with systems and strategies and different methods to help people find it one feel-good thing at a time. And through these processes, I have learned the sauce, at least my special sauce, in helping other people learn how to rediscover, reconnect, and recommit to their purpose and identity and joy as well. So it wasn't just about me. My ability to find joy and amplify joy and make the most of my joy, even in hard times, Even in transitional times when I didn't know where to go next or where to start next or what to do next, I was able to leverage the joy that I was able to find into wonderful new opportunities that put me on path for living out my most creative and wildest dreams, but also helping others find joy and living out their goals and dreams as well. I didn't realize that as I was Um, on my quest for purpose. And as I was discovering my purpose, I was teaching our children to learn how to prioritize purpose. And it's crazy because now they're so young. They're only three and five. But even at this young age, I really do think they're beginning to understand that they can be, do, have, and create whatever it is that they want because they have the potential to create whatever they want. But also when you teach your children to prioritize purpose and um, do so with joy, as a parent, they become like your personal little cheerleaders. And it is really like one of the best things ever. (laughs) I have so many little videos that are posted on my Instagram page. If you have yet to go over there and check it out, I'm uh, at Erica Lasan. But there are videos of Aria and Jace like doing my sign off from videos, live rich and happy dream chasing. That's the thing. Or there'll be moments where I'm doing something and it's like, go mommy, go mommy, go mommy. They're cheering me on. Or there'll be moments where like, I may have a moment of being real realistic, 
imposter syndrome and I may not necessarily want to go speak to somebody or do something for whatever reason. And our kids are so fearless in that way where they will go up and help have conversation with anyone and everyone. This is something that Aria does a lot. She'll come, she'll hear or meet someone new and she'll come whisper in my ear, tell them what they, tell them what you do. (laughs) Or she herself will personally tell that person, my mommy's a joy strategist. (laughs) She works with women and entrepreneurs. (laughs) Like, how amazing is that? She's only five years old, but yet and still at such a young age, she understands, one, that I am passionate about the work that I do, that I enjoy it, that there's purpose that's tied to it. But I really do think that she also experiences the transformations and the the value that's being given and that people's interaction with joy is tangible. But I think she's also understanding at such a young age, and she's only five, that joy is contagious. If you are able to impact somebody through your joy, if you are able to touch their life through your purpose, whatever that may be, you've done your job. Spreading love, spreading light, spreading joy is what we're here to do. And each person has their own way of doing it that's tied to their purpose. But the moment you're able to understand your purpose and you're able to engage with it every single day, you are really able to touch the world in a powerful, powerful way. And I'm so grateful that motherhood allowed me to birth my my purpose because before them I before our kids I don't know that I'd ever really thought that way the last thing that motherhood taught me is how to slow down be present and capitalize on the little and simple moments becoming a mother really altered the way I envisioned my future the lifestyle I desired for myself moving forward and the goals that I once had And when I tell you so much about the life that I live right now and so much of the life that I desire is nothing like I expected when I was in my early 20s. When I was in my 20s, I thought I'd always want to live in a city. I thought I'd be a city girl for life, not like the city girls with Megan Thee Stallion, not that type of like just a girl who lives in a city. (laughs) But now what I find is that I want to live in the country somewhere. I want to live in a rural area where my neighbors are cows and horses. I want to not have to smell exhaust when I walk out the door, but I want to wake up to the sweet scents of nature (laughs) and the sounds of birds. And Thankfully, we do have that where we live now, but even more so. Um, At one point, I thought that I would want to live in a big home. Now I think about it and I really just want to live in a tiny house. I mean, I still want to host people. Don't get me wrong. I want visitors. I want friends. (laughs) I love my family. I just really like the idea and the feeling of being in smaller spaces that are um, not cluttered, very clean and... Um, organized, really just enjoy cozy spaces. Um, And even considering things like sustainability and homesteading. um, I don't know that I'd ever really thought about sustainability before coming a mom because I'd always just lived for myself. But 
now as a mother to children who will inhabit this planet even after I'm gone and hopefully they'll have children and their children's children will be able to live on the planet too. It really worries me that the planet may not function the way it's supposed to a couple generations from now because of the direction that we're going in, in terms of our consumption, in terms of the way that we operate and the way that um, different policies around so many different things. Um, I find it a little, a little worrisome. The, the fact that certain things are, are going extinct that like bees, like why are bees going extinct? Bees are so necessary to continue to produce life here on this planet. And just a number of other things, even water and how the world is running out of water. It's it's like crazy when you really and truly think about it. And it gets me thinking about um, the scripture verses. Well, there are many scripture verses, but eventually this world will um, perish. This this world will end. Um, and based on how we are treating the planet, I feel like it's going to come a lot sooner than later. So I really do think more about sustainability now because I am a parent and even wanting to do things like homesteading because I don't trust the food that we eat when we buy it from the stores. I never thought that I'd want to be someone who enjoys putting her hands in dirt and watching plants grow, but I have become that girl and I I love it here. (laughs) Another way that I've changed in just the way that I saw my life growing up or the things that I desired is really related to travel as well. As someone who's always had a love for culture and different meeting different people from different parts of the world, I, I've always enjoyed the idea of travel. But after graduating from college, I think traveling was more of a flex. And when I would think of traveling, I would think of, you know, getting the different outfits for different pictures that I would show and post to show where I'd been and what I'd seen and what I'd done. But now when I think of travel, I really understand and desire travel um, as a form of self-care and self-discovery because I enjoy being in places where I'm lost and I have to engage with new people and new things and new ways. Um, So that's something that I've also learned. And when I think of traveling now, it's not so much about how much I can show off as far as my experience, but more so about what I would have gained in understanding myself and the world and people around me. And then lastly, and this is, this, I think this wraps it up with a, a very pretty and nice bow. The biggest thing that um, motherhood has taught me in slowing down being present and making the most of life's simple moments is the importance of building a legacy imprinted with joy versus the sole focus of my legacy being built being to make tons of money though I do desire that as well but now I'm clear on why I want to make a bunch of money and that's basically to help communities that I'm a part of and to support the communities that I serve parenthood really helped me slow down in understanding why I was creating my legacy. It's all joy. It's all love. It's all goodness. Motherhood just has me living a whole different life. 
It has me living a whole different life. I never thought that I'd want to be this type of person that I am right now, but it is what it is and I am who I am and I love it here. <laughs> Motherhood will help you change up your life's priorities real quick, okay? <laughs> episode and I have so enjoyed talking about these mommy lessons so much more than I I anticipated um I know that it was a lot and I I hope that you all found value in this conversation um but I'd love to hear from you guys and what your experience has been as you transition in through um or out of motherhood well I guess you never transition out of motherhood But as you transition through this motherhood journey, what are some of the greatest lessons that you've gained um, through the process of motherhood and really just womanhood in general? Because I think that that's that's what it is. And I'd love to hear from you guys and making sure that I'm not alone in these things. So in the comments, wherever this episode is being played or wherever you're listening or on the social posts, hopefully that you are um, looking at. I'd love to know in the comments what three of the biggest and most impactful lessons that you have learned from motherhood, what those are. What are the top three things that motherhood has taught you? I'd also like to give you an insider peek to some of the future episodes. In the month of September, I'm going to be doing an episode on the art of patient parenting because trust, (laughs) patient parenting is a practice art form. Especially when you're hearing that mommy, 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 and your name being called 30 million times a day. Especially when those name callings are mostly in relation to snacks. I said what I said. (laughs) I hope that this episode inspires you to take bold and courageous moves in just living your most purpose-filled and intentional and best life. Not just for the gram. But if you're going to be on the gram, I hope that you are following me there and across all of social media at Erica Lasan. I'm even on TikTok, though I don't play there as much as the young kids do. And if you know a mom or a woman that this episode could serve or that they may find value from, please share it with them. Want to make some new friends? Please share. Lastly, if you're in a transitional phase of your life where you are looking for a little more joy, purpose, and healing in your life, but you're unsure of where or how to get started, I'd love to connect with you and see how my programs could help. Click the link below and in the description box to visit my site, ericalassan.com, and there you will find a number of resources geared towards helping you on your journey to purpose as you rediscover, reconnect, and recommit to your purpose and identity and joy. Until the next time, I will, I want to say I'll see you next Sunday, but oh, I may actually be seeing you next Sunday. Wink, wink, hint, hint. More on that later. But until next week, live rich and happy dream chasing. Bye. Hey, 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 guys. Thanks for tuning into another episode of the Live Rich Movement podcast with Erica Lasan. 
Listen, y'all, there's about to be a whole lot of changes going on. And in this week's episode, I am sharing a process to help you progress towards your plans so you don't have to put your purpose on pause. This process is one that will help you evaluate where you are in your life while helping you transform your current life state in joy. Trust me, you'll gain clarity, tangible progress, and tons of smiles along the way. In addition to this, I'll be giving you the lowdown on what's happening with the podcast in the coming months. So keep listening. Hey guys, welcome to another week. (laughs) And I am just going to dive right into this conversation because there is so much to cover in so little time. Um, So y'all know what a struggle it has been in having the podcast come out on a regular basis. We spoke a little bit about that last week, but you guys know that I am in it to win it. So I had to reevaluate my process. And I told you guys a little bit about that in last week's episode. But in doing so, I also realized that this process that I utilize to um, put me on the path of progress is one that you may be able to use in your journey to purpose as well. And I think that it'll be really beneficial. So today I'm sharing it with you, but I also wanted to um, bring you along in the mindset that brought me to this point of understanding how this process works. So that brings me to the point of today's episode and sharing some of the changes that are going to be happening with the podcast. Oh my gosh, guys, so much about this podcast is about to change. The length, the format, the presentation, and so much more. Um, But I'll tell you what won't be changing. All this melanated goodness, all of these tangible tips and tricks, and also my commitment and my promise to doing my best as a joy strategist to help you guys live a life on purpose and with joy. So today I'll be letting you in on a little bit about that process and how you can use that same one to work your way towards purpose, peace, and productivity. One feel-good thing at a time. Let's get into it. So as you guys know, I am a joy strategist. And what that means is that I am constantly evaluating feelings and understanding motives for actions and really the underlying reasons for productivity and progress towards um, our dreams and goals and really just being able to manifest the visions that we create for ourselves. And when I say we, I'm, I'm speaking about for myself um, and a from a personal standpoint, as well as working with clients and even speaking with you all who are listening to the podcast. And when it came to me getting this podcast episode out, and you guys know, again, what the sh- how much of a struggle it's been, and it led me to evaluate my feelings around <laughs> this very thing, the podcast and creating content and um, speaking with you all and why I was being inconsistent in bringing these things out, aside from like lack of conviction or lack of motive and all of those things. And this led me to evaluate my feelings because... Um, If you guys don't know, as a joy strategist, I really do believe that your feelings are a meter of how well you are aligning your actions with your divine purpose. Like if you aren't feeling joy around some area or aspect in your life, then more than likely that's because you're misaligned in some way, shape or form with your purpose as well as your identity and what you're supposed to be doing in any given moment. 
So this took me down a personal path of evaluating my current workflow systems, my routines, and my productivity through joy. And what I found was that there was a lot of room for improvement, like a lot. (laughs) Um, At the start of my, the new year, I shared with you guys that I had this theme of obedience and my main goal in the instruction was to pursue this podcast. And if I'm being completely honest with myself, this has been an instruction since the beginning of 2018, but I have been so inconsistent. And last week I shared with you guys that scripture, 1 Samuel 15, that, um, struck me during one of my morning devotionals. And basically the the scripture says um, to obey is better than sacrifice. And as I thought about that, I was thinking about all the things that I've been doing as an entrepreneur, all the things I've been doing as a wife, as a mom, as a woman that um, I felt like I should be doing in order to serve you guys, but really how it didn't align with obedience. (laughs) And the theme for the year is obedience. And so after two months of being inconsistent and putting this podcast out, I had to ask myself why. And in looking to my feelings, here are some things that came up. The first was that I felt very overwhelmed with doing all of my simultaneous projects, doing the speaking speaking engagements, running um, these monthly accountability and wellness challenges that I do through my program, uh, writing out programs, (laughs) like just juggling a lot of things at once, social media, all of the things. Um, And another thing that came to mind was that I really didn't enjoy editing this podcast. (laughs) And as much as I enjoy putting the conversations together and producing the episodes and planning out what we're going to speak about each week, the editing process was becoming a huge deterrent for me um, because of how much time it takes. And each time I would sit down to edit a podcast episode, I think, oh gosh, like, but I could be doing this, or I'd like to be doing this, or I should be doing that in regards to other aspects of building my business and pitching and having phone calls and speaking with people. Um, it just felt like I should be doing those things instead of editing. (laughs) And um, another thing that came to mind was that as an entrepreneur whose job is really, and not even job, but my joy is helping people have moments of transformation. And I always want to make sure that I'm providing value. But in doing this, what I realized was that I would end up talking a lot and I would provide so many examples because I, in in my desire to provide value to you guys, I was giving too much value. And so I was talking so much and it was producing longer episodes, um, which was then produced, creating the problem of then having longer episodes to edit. So it was like one thing feeding another. And then something else that I sat down and realized as I evaluated my feelings was that the super my goal of having a super polished production was also prolonging the process of content development and getting these podcast episodes out to you guys in a timely fashion. 
because I wanted it to be like super polished and super organized and super pretty. <laughs> um, and because I wanted to add value and make sure that you guys were picking up everything that I was putting down and giving all of these different examples of how you could do the things. It was just causing the episodes to be longer and just delaying the process. And that's not what the point is. The point is that you guys get this information, that you get it on a regular basis and that you get it in a timely fashion. Um, but the last thing that also came to mind as I sat with my feelings and what really brings me joy and more importantly, what brings me joy in this season of my life is that I do enjoy doing video content as much as I enjoy this podcast. And I know the reasons for which I started doing this podcast and I shared those with you as well. I realized that I enjoy doing videos and I've been itching to get back to my video roots. Um, and evaluating my joy and how much videos bring me joy, but how much editing video does not. <laughs> I realized that um, I should probably focus on just having the conversations. And that brought me to wanting to go back to YouTube and creating videos there and thinking about how um, I could have these conversations in a way where it's not stressing and time consuming, but where I'm also delivering value. And thankfully, lives are now a part of our culture. And I don't know if that's something that really grew in popularity due to the pandemic and people just sitting around all day like, I want to talk about things. But I'm grateful for it and I'm here for it. Um, so in sitting with my feelings and evaluating those five points and how they were delaying my process of putting out this podcast, I had to sit down and create solutions that worked for me. Um, as a multi-passionate creative, as someone who wants to help you guys have these uh, moments of reflection and transformation, I realized that I had to practice what I preach. <laughs> and I had to look to my joy for the answers. And what I realized is that I was doing a lot of things that didn't feel good. So in reevaluating those feelings, um, I was able to map out a plan for what does with utilizing one feel-good thing at a time and focusing on one feel-good thing at a time. And so this process that I've come up with is one that I really do believe will support you in your journey. And I'm just going to share um, the five things or six things that you can do. And I know that, it, I, again, I said one feel good thing at a time at the beginning. But um, in taking this process and doing each of these things, one feel good thing at a time, you will be able to create a process that will lead you to progress. You guys ready? Here we go. I'm going to share them with you. Um, the first thing I had to do was realize that I needed to focus on one thing at a time. Like, honestly, <laughs> as a multi-passionate creative, my attention is constantly being diverted in different directions because the truth of the matter is I'm inspired by a lot of things. Like, anything and everything can serve its inspiration for me. And I like to express myself and execute that creativity in a number of ways. But it was draining me, not energizing me. <laughs> so in 
taking the time to think, all right, what is one thing that I can focus on at a time? Um, it really came down to focusing on one project at a time. And because this podcast is the thing that I've gotten as far as the instruction um, from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, it's the theme of the year. It's all over my vision board. And again, I've shared with you guys in past episodes why um, that is the focus for the year. Uh, I realized that I needed to commit to doing that one project a week. Um, and so in doing that and really understanding how focusing on this one project can help me hit multiple goals and getting back on YouTube and doing a video and keeping up with the podcast consistently and also in serving my needs for social media and content creation. Focusing on the one thing each week can actually serve all of those things, but in a more cohesive and tangible way. So that's the first thing. Get clear on what the one thing is that you're going to focus on at a time. And for me, it's this podcast. The second solution that I came up with um, in this process that I'd like to share with you guys is creating more time by cutting out things that don't align with where you desire to spend your time. Is that clear for you guys? Creating more time by cutting out things um, that basically don't align with where you desire to be. Spend less time doing those things. And for me, that looked like spending less time editing <laughs> and spending more time on planning the content and producing the content that will ultimately serve the purpose of having these conversations and how I can help you guys rediscover, reconnect, and recommit to your purpose and identity and joy. And so in Having this understanding that I wanted to spend less time editing and more time producing valuable content, I realized that I could do this in a number of ways. But again, one of them being just simply having the conversation. Lives exist. Lives are also really awesome ways to have um, great conversation that add value. Um, and in a way where it comes off authentically and where I don't have to worry about making everything super pretty um, and perfect. So understand that just because you are spending less time doesn't mean that you're adding any less value. That's something that I had to sit with in understanding. Um, just my process and why I was doing certain things. The third thing that came up in my process for creating this new plan towards progress was remembering who I was, who I'm serving, and also remembering my why. So I'd like to encourage you guys to do the same. Remember who you're serving, remembering and remember your why. Um, for me, that came in understanding that I need to have shorter episodes, point blank period. Like, <laughs> As someone who's doing a lot, I can't afford the time to sit down and edit all of these long episodes, but also remembering who I'm serving you all and who you guys are and what you're doing in your life. You guys don't have the time to like really sit down and have these long conversations in our weekly chats. Um, or not that you don't have the time, but also your time is very valuable. A lot of you are moms who are 
juggling a lot of things, life, your work and other responsibilities while also trying to get in these moments of self-care. Some of you are students who are just trying to grab this information and understanding how you can be put on path for your purpose, but you also have things like homework and social activities and events and things, and also just the desire to live out your vision, you know, and that means you have to take these steps. So if you're listening all the time, but you're not actually implementing the tips and tricks, then it makes it a little more difficult. Um, and in understanding my why and that I just want to add value to you guys and your lives and making sure that you're actually able to implement the things, I just came to this conclusion that I have to make the episode shorter. It, it benefits everyone. So um, with this being said, I am now in the process of understanding that it's really about one feel-good thing at a time. So each week, rather than giving you guys multiple tips, multiple tricks, multiple examples, I'm going to focus on giving you one tip, one example, and one um, tangible way to utilize the information information that's being given. And I promise that it will be of value. Um, And I hope that you guys do the same in your journey to progress. Uh, in your journey to purpose um, and just focusing on what feels good, one feel good thing at a time and remembering why you're doing the one thing that you're doing. But also understand that if you guys would like more tangible tips and um, how you could personally implement these things or incorporate them into your life, you can feel free at any time to visit my site, ericalasson.com, and book a one-on-one session where I could work with you personally in evaluating your life, your goals, your vision, and helping you understand how you can um, do that in a more easy way that flows with your feelings and the things that feel good for you on a personal level. And you can also join our monthly accountability challenges um, or purchase programs on my site that will help you go on that journey in a more um, in a more deep way where you can really dive in um, in understanding yourself personally. And uh, as I continue to go through this process, another thing that came to mind was remembering my roots and understanding who I am and my identity and the things that bring me joy um, within my identity. And that meant getting back to my roots and doing video. Because something else that I came to understand through processing my feelings around putting out these podcast episodes and also promoting the podcast episodes is that Instagram was sucking my joy. And I know that it's really weird to say that because... um, Instagram is something that I've spoken about in past episodes, but I think it really is a matter of it being something where um, it's like a, I want to say something where it's like a habit, you know, like social media is a habit that I think we've become accustomed to. But sometimes when we think about how we actually feel about it, it's, it may be more that we're doing it because of the habit rather than because we actually enjoy doing the thing itself. And as I realized that Instagram was sucking my joy, I realized that part of the reason why was because I'd want to have these conversations um, and dive deep, but I felt that the information and the conversations that I'd like to have on that platform weren't really being um, engaged with. And I think that 
the reason why is because and now understanding the purpose of each platform is that when people are on Instagram, they're there for quickie content and that's okay. (laughs) But I also realize and understand that I'm not a quickie kind of girl. Like I want to have the conversations. I want to dive deep. Um, I want to be able to engage with you guys and understand what it is that your needs and wants are or what's inhibiting your joy and you know, also sharing a little bit more about my process and how it's bringing me to an understanding of how I can serve you all in a deeper way. So the podcast is a place to do that. But as I grow and as I'm seeking more opportunities and um, with a really big part of that being speaking engagements, I've realized that I really do miss having um, video content and creating those conversations or space for those conversations on video. So I am taking the podcast to YouTube and I'll also be producing segments on YouTube that align with these podcast episodes. So you'll also be able to see us each week on YouTube every Sunday and I'll be doing it in a live format that will also fix the issue of time with production and editing. Um, And so the last Thing that I came to understand about this process to gaining progress in your journey to purpose and your goals was to ultimately just grant myself grace. And as I say that for myself, I also say that to you all on your journey to progress. Grant yourself grace. Sometimes you have to understand that it's going to be what it's going to be and people are going to get what they're going to get. And that's okay. It's all good stuff. (laughs) You know, as long as your intention is there, as long as you're showing up consistently with um, a willingness and a desire to serve others in your purpose and in your joy, what is meant to land will land with those who it's meant to land on. (laughs) I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a creative trying to do so much and really just transforming and shifting the world in radical joy with one joy-led habit at a time. So in doing this, sometimes I also have to acknowledge my limitations and understand that there are only but so many things that I can personally do in a given week (laughs) or even in a given day. I mean, I know that everyone's saying, you know, there's that conversation about how we all have the same number of hours in a day as Beyonce. And it's true. We do. But I only have one mind and two hands. And At this point in my journey to purpose, I'm still in the growing phase, and that's okay. I'm doing what I can with what I have. Um, And it doesn't always have to be pretty, and it doesn't always have to be perfect, but it does have to be potent. That is something that I'm understanding about myself. And sometimes it comes in um, packages that aren't, you know, the prettiest. So remembering to grant yourself grace is a really important part of this process that will get you to progress. Taking each thing, one feel-good thing at a time, one day at a time, one action at a time, one moment at a time. And I hope that this helps you guys in understanding your process and getting to progress. Um, Remembering to, again... Focus on one thing at a time. Create more time by cutting out the things that are sucking up your time and don't bring you joy. Remember who you're serving serving, and remember your why. But also remember your roots and who you are and your identity and the things that feel good to you in your joy. 
But most importantly, remember to grant yourself grace and enjoy the process. And once you do, you will be able to process and make progress towards whatever your joy and your journey and purpose is. That being said, I'm back, baby. Hold me accountable. New episodes will be airing every Sunday at noon. Um, I'm hoping that you guys take this podcast as a part of your self-care Sunday regimen and um, that you're also resting. And in understanding that I should also be resting, uh, these will be pre-scheduled and pre-recorded episodes, even though I know that it'll be in something like a live format. Um, So they'll be ready to be seen and viewed and heard by you all each Sunday. (sighs) That being said, the moral of the story is follow your joy. Find what feels good, okay? It doesn't always have to be the way that you expect it to, but your feelings matter and evaluating them can actually help you create a process that works for you um, in a way that doesn't drain you. Um, if you'd like to learn more, please feel free to visit the site um, to see how I can help you in your journey to purpose and finding more joy, purpose, and healing. But also, um, if you're listening, subscribe to the mailing list and the podcast. And obviously, if you're on YouTube, please uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, as that will be a place where you can now see us every week as well. I hope that you guys share this episode with anyone who's in a funk and in need of a feel-good shift or just a kick in the pants towards moving in alignment and progressing with their personal goals as well. Um, But while we're at it, I'd also love to know what is one feel-good thing that you'll be focusing on this week. Um, You can share that with me through a email if you want to on social media at Erica Lasan. as a comment on YouTube, whatever works best for you. Um, but in the meantime, I really look forward to continuing to serve serve you guys in helping you rediscover, reconnect, and recommit to your purpose and identity and joy. One feel-good thing at a time. I'll see you guys next week. And yeah, keep processing and keep progressing. Bye. I'm getting weird. It's also hot. I'm recording this under a blanket and it's like 90 degrees outside. I'll see you guys next week. The episode. (laughs) Bye.